show by Rowan Plett. Rowan, I want to thank you for reaching out to me. Um, This story this past week of the 215 children, the remains that were found at that uh, former residential school was heartbreaking across the entire continent. But especially being um, an Indigenous woman, this this must have just crushed you. Uh, Yeah, it was very, uh, very much at the heartstrings this week for sure. So very very tough to hear. So when this story came out, um, this became uh, kind of personal to you because we think of these things as being way in the past, but this this touches um, some of your fairly close relatives. Yeah, it does. I I was uh, born in Abbotsford, BC, and my mom is a West Coast native as well, and uh, her parents, my grandma and grandpa were part of the St. Mary's Indian Residential School, which is only 200 kilometers away from that Kamloops uh, grave site that they just found now. That's... It's too close to home. It's too close to home. And because of my grandparents being a part of this residential uh, situation and history in Canada, uh, they, they suffered from traumatic things that had happened to them at this school that they, when they came back and out of the schools, they weren't the same. And, and they were, because of this, then they had to now try to raise their families and their children. And now again, the government was telling them that they were no longer able to be proper parents. And they long came the 60s scoop. And that's when my mom was scooped up and taken from her home and stuff. So it's been going on for years. So when you say that your grandparents weren't the same after being in this residential school, what are some of the stories that you've heard of some of the tragedies that they've gone through in this school? Well, even one of the first biggest tragedies was is uh, most people get to meet their grandma and grandpa alongside with their parents at the hospital. I didn't get to meet my grandma and grandpa until I was 13 years old. And uh, so that in itself was very traumatic and uh, an experience in itself. And because of that, I guess when I first did get to meet them, uh, we actually even attended a, a reserve or a powwow at that sighting at where my grandma and grandpa went to school at St. Mary's just in, in Mission, B.C. there. We went to a powwow there and got to hear some of the stories out of my grandmother's mouth of the things that they experienced there. And, and uh, like, some of it's too horrific to say over the air, but, like, just even being hit for not being able to do... I'm not Catholic, and I don't remember that thing they do where they hit the the their forehead and their shoulders or that, that cross sign they make. Okay, if they so she couldn't, couldn't do, that do the right, cross my, properly. Yes, and if my grandmother couldn't do the cross properly, they'd be hit, severely hit or even like punched, and she had a fat lip once she recalls bleeding and stuff and just different things like that. And, and the boys, like how uh, the boys were just forced into farming and agriculture and they were no longer allowed to hunt and it was just, we, we lost our culture. We lost our way, and and because my grandparents weren't the same, they couldn't now raise their children. They were they were traumatized from this experience, so they couldn't function anymore. And and so they leaned on substances and stuff like that, and that's why they become alcoholics. There's a lot of a lot of alcoholism in the native families and stuff like that. And 
all, and substance abuse and all kinds of things, right? So, of course, then the government would come now and take them over the 60s scoop because they were all drinking to to suppress what happened to them, right? Yeah. You know, you know, we, we think of this as something that happened a long time ago, and this still affects so many generations. Now, you know, a couple of generations later, and even your children, I mean, this has affected even, your entire generation. Well, yeah, and then, like, from my grandparents, from the residential schools, to my mother in the 60s scoop, then after the 60s scoop, uh, I'm just learning now, since I'm taking my grade 12 and things in global issues, my teachers are now informing me of different things in history that are surfacing up, and I'm just glad that some of these things are surfacing up in the schools, like at Red River, and not only Red River, but uh, Stony Brook Middle School here in Steinbach also forged uh, an Indigenous arts class, and my mom and I were able to partake with that and stuff, and that stuff is very uh, very healing for us and stuff like that, to just get our culture out there and our stories heard, and it's just... It's all it's all great. It's, we it needs to be done more and just talked about more so people can heal. So now today they're asking people to um, do something in remembrance of these children, but also to continue the conversation. Uh, what are we asked to do? Uh, they're asking people to wear their orange shirts. Orange shirts is uh, a story uh, goes back to Orange Shirt Day actually, and uh, it's on the last day of September when they were honoring in the residential schools, but now because of the residential school survivors now, they're asking again for the last day of May as well to wear an orange shirt. And they're also asking if uh, people would like to maybe put a teddy bear out on their front porch or on their step or whatever with the light on maybe just to help remember the survivors and the people, the victims and families and everyone that was a part of the residential school. Yeah. Yeah, because we talk about these 215 children that were literally thrown away and hidden and buried. Um, But those who survived that but still had horrific things happen to them, uh, a lot of those stories go untold. And the stories that come from that go untold, and they go untold, and then we wonder why there's a problem between uh, Indigenous and non-Indigenous people. These um, stories, we were told not to tell them. We were told to keep quiet about our Indigenous ways. We were told to be quiet, and we were ashamed. We were ashamed of our Indigenous ways because the government, that's how they told us to be, right? They were trying to teach us other ways and other to teach us not to be Native, to get the Native out of us. And so then once they left the residential schools, and once they tried to bring up their Native ways in the ways of looking for work or in the ways of just everyday survival they were now being looked down and ridiculed and and like almost embarrassed or pointed their finger at like no you that's not allowed no more right so then it, it's handed down generation to generation to generation like i mean my my mom had her my brother was almost scooped in the 80s at, at a winnipeg hospital and then uh another 20 years later in the millennial scoop i'm just learning now that there's a millennial scoop with cfs and uh my son and my sister's children were trapped in CFS and had CFS shadowing us for many years. You know, we look at uh, a day like this where we're asked to wear orange in solidarity. We're asked to put the teddy bears out, and which is all great for uh, in a memorial of these children and to show right. that and to bring attention to it. But that is uh, that is a, just a, just a step, a show of solidarity. What right. do we do to heal? What do we do 
to to make this right i mean we can't we can't make up for what happened how do we move forward you know i guess just little baby steps just moving in the right direction and just like i was saying about seeing some of the the history books being rewritten and and having the acknowledgement now and just some of those people want their stories heard and some don't it's uh it's very bitter it's uh it's a double-edged sword on that one it's just some don't want any any reconciliation out of it they don't think that there's reconciliation money coming from the government right now and stuff like that for these 60s scoops the residentials got my grandparents got their money now my parents are going through their money the next law case is going to be all the kids that are cfs throughout the millennial right now just wait give another five ten years and one of the millennial cfs children that were trapped in the system i just became a foster parent to an indigenous child through uh uh, MMF, Manitoba Métis Federation, and it's going to happen five, ten years, and these children will be able to go for their money against the Canadian government. It needs to stop. Yeah. Well, Rowan, I want to thank you for reaching out to me again and um, and speaking about this because, I mean, as a middle-aged white man, all I can be is outraged. Yeah. All yeah. I can be is is embarrassed because you know this this isn't just an indigenous story the indigenous part of it is one half of the story because yes. because the caucasians had a big play in this obviously and so it is the story is both of our stories yes exactly and 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 you are indigenous but raised in a white community and i'm sure that you have uh, allegiances to both sides and that that that's why this must be just so um it just must tear you apart it is. It's very, very heartbreaking. It's sometimes I, I feel like I'm too indigenous for my Mennonites family. And sometimes I feel like I'm too white or Mennonite for my native family. And mm-hmm. I don't fit in on either side. Yeah. But I do love my Bannock and I do love my Vrank. Yeah. <laughs> Rowan, and we do love having <laughs> you in our community. I thank you very much, Corny. It's the next morning show.